Welcome to the IoT Podcast Show. I'm your host, Tom White. Today, I am joined by Jeremy Frank. Jeremy is the CEO of KCF Technologies. KCF is a technology development company focused in the industrial sector and transforming the American industry by solving critical Industry 4.0 problems. Jeremy, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much. I know we've been looking forward to this. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about yourself and a bit more about KCF? Sure, I'd be happy to. And first of all, Tom, thanks for having me as a guest. I really appreciate it. Uh, myself, I am, I've been in this world of technology development and using technology to solve problems for about 20 years. I, I did a PhD at Penn State University uh, in, in Pennsylvania. and. Uh, finished in the late 90s, so I was working on some of these underlying technologies that we are currently working on back then. And then I uh, started a company with the professor that I was working with out of, we have a specialty uh, deep area in vibration and machines at the center called the, the Center for Acoustics and Vibration. And our company was basically born out of that and we've been at it for 20 years now. And I've been kind of started as one guy sitting in an office and we're now a pretty substantially sized and successful company in this space wow yeah fantastic it's uh no it's a great it's a great business uh, you know i uh had a look into it a while ago so we've definitely been looking forward to getting you on here um keen to kick off jeremy i mean what what is actually happening with critical infrastructure at the moment and, and why you know as human beings um are we so dependent on this in in industry 4.0 for our listeners out there yeah well so i think i would I would start, there's a lot There's a lot there of like what critical infrastructure is and what's actually happening. I would start with the industry 4.0 part first, just because you know I know your focus is on IoT uh, broadly. Industry 4.0 isn't necessarily a subset, but it's one of these things transpiring simultaneously. Yeah. You know, I think, I go back, to, you know, people might not remember what the other three industrial revolutions were, but the first one, just basically uh, machines using steam power instead of human power and animals to do work. And the second one is basically mass production and manufacturing, you know, so the Henry Ford assembly line being a classic example. And then the third industrial revolution in 60s and 70s is just using computers and digital, uh, um, digital uh, capabilities like autonomous uh, processes, control systems, robots, all that stuff. And so now, you know, we're in this fourth industrial revolution, and I think I'll, I hear, I, I, I spend a second on that maybe just because I hear a lot of people talk about Industry 4.0 as though it's just an abstraction or a buzzword, but there's actually about 150 years of history, and we're just in one, one wave of it, and none of those revolutions are completely done. You know, there's still, there's still a lot of things that are, that are being done the way they were 100 years ago that I'm very exposed to. So anyway, the fourth industrial revolution is real. It's happening from my point of view. And it's all just about total awareness, you know, total awareness of all the necessary information in a manufacturing process or in a human life that makes it possible to do everything that you want to do, uh, all the information in the right place at the right time. So, and, and there's a lot happening there. The, the one thing I would say that I, that I think is also relevant context for what's, what's happening with critical infrastructure today is that there's this whole other thing that, that isn't always talked about when people talk about Industry 4.0, and it's the lean manufacturing revolution, you know, which really started and really, you know, 
took major hold in the in the 80s and the 90s and Toyota is you know primarily represents that and when it was shown to be as successful as it was and it really does work um, it had a, an, another major impact in the industrial world which is my focus you know I'm really in the industrial internet of things and I think it's really important to, to kind of lay that out there because it, you know what what lean and the Toyota way showed is that it's not really just about the technology it's really about people and knowledge and, and you know Kaizen like learning and making good changes continuous improvement uh, because so so now what I see with critical infrastructure and, and industry 4.0 is we are at this major inflection point you know it's not it's not that this is just a buzzword without meaning behind it there's a lot of change there's a lot of disruption most of it is good change and good disruption but a lot of it it's you know what I see is that the the technologies that are being deployed do work the promise is true and it's there but most people have not yet figured out how to actually deploy it at scale and gain real advantage from it yeah yeah absolutely I think this is this is something I've really wanted to touch upon with you uh, Jeremy because you're very well versed as an individual but also KCF within lean manufacturing could you just touch a little bit more on the balance of lean manufacturing and its interface with with industry 4.0? Yeah, and I should, you know, I'll say I'm I'm not really a, learn, a lean expert, but I've talked to a lot of lean experts and we're we're working, we're serving some of just the absolute world class best uh, developers and users of lean manufacturing. Uh, I I think the just to keep it simple, I think what it really comes down to, and especially it's the nexus with Industry 4.0 that I'm most focused on. You know, I'm, I'm not really a manufacturing expert. I'm a technology expert being de deployed into manufacturing. And the, the difference is it's all about the people. You know, Lean is just rooted in the reality that, that people are central and learning and knowledge are central and, and making incremental changes to make things better are central. And I think that's the, that's the really important thing because if, um, if, you, if you have a technology wave come along and you forget about that philosophically, you, you'll end up with un, you know, either disappointing or in some cases very bad outcomes. And, and I just think that you know, there's, there's I don't know if I can put a percentage on how many companies effectively employ lean manufacturing philosophically and in practice, but there's a lot that do, but there's many more that don't. And I think, you know, that just philosophical approach to focusing on the people, focusing on continuous improvement, if you do those things while embracing a, a technology wave, you're going to have much better outcomes than you're going to have if you focus on the technology alone and have a disregard for the people in the learning and there's a lot of stories like that out there so that's how i see it yeah yeah no yeah completely and i think um that's a really valuable insight to see it from 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 your point of view and and um thank you for sharing that um jeremy you, you use the term giving machines a voice um and it's you know it's come up several times in in articles etc can you can you depict the processes um, involved in I IoT solutions and how these address the challenges faced in, in the industrial environment. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, and I like that's a it's a it's a slogan we've been using for a while. And you know, yeah, I'll talk about that and the and the process for for 
how you deploy solutions, but I, maybe even before I do that, you know, why you need to give machines a voice is it's just, it's a mess out there. You know, there are, there are just these massive um, chronic issues that plague industry. Again, within IoT, my space, my company is really focused within machines and critical, you know, we serve all the, the, the most critical, largest manufacturers and in, industrial operators. And it's a mess out there. There's, a, there's just blind spots. There are just chronic issues with inefficiency, waste, danger. You know, the majority of injuries that happen in the industrial workplace are, are because, you know, people are getting hurt when machines fail unexpectedly. And they're either trying to fix them in a hurry or, or, or there's actually some, you know, explosion or, or issue. Pumps are horribly inefficient. They fail prematurely. Fans are the same way. There's just this total, you know, if, if like total awareness is the ideal of Industry 4.0, uh, unawareness is is the chronic problem, and um, so w what we did we we were doing we were putting wireless sensors on machines th uh, in the early to mid two thousands. We were funded on some very forward looking government programs uh, here in the United States, both in in the Department of Defense and the Department of Energy, that was focused on you know the industrial sector. And we started putting sensors on machines and realized, you know, some of these blind spots and, and what's actually happening out there where these problems come from. And it took us about five years before we realized, this is around 2011 or 2012, that it, kind of just like I was saying with Lean, some of the reason that I, you know, I think that that's so important is that we realized that the technology, having a sensor tell you that there was a problem wasn't enough. You had to have a human being understand that and we we started calling that list you know listening to the health of the machine giving machines a voice so that we can listen and understand what's happening have awareness and that's what enables you to make a positive change and start to actually create uh, better outcomes for things and it's kind of interesting Tom because that 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 slogan you know it's actually something I see being replicated by others you know there's other companies that do what we do that are using similar terminology these days. And um, the, the idea of, you know, condition-based maintenance and, and um, you know, root cause analysis, it's not like there's something shockingly new about those, and those were talked about well before 2011. But what's really new is actually deploying that, taking advantage of, of, of those things that people sort of understood and doing them at scale. So giving, if you own a factory that has a thousand critical machines, fans, pumps, compressors, all this stuff. Giving those machines the ability to communicate their health to someone who can do something about it, that, that's what giving machines a voice means, and, and that's why it's creating this, uh, these outcomes that are really positive and um, this whole movement. Yeah. I think it's a really nice phrase because clearly, um, you know, from, from an early M2M perspective, having uh you know a, a machine to be able to communicate to talk and to be able to actually understand you know uh how how that interaction is is taking place and and the potential issues and uh, the pros and cons of it is really really important and it links on really nicely to the next thing that i was going to ask you actually jeremy because you know part of the, one of the reasons why we started this podcast is because iot is this kind of unheard of technology to most people still outside of the industry um and we really want to demystify it so that people can understand how 
uh, it really affects their lives. And I think it's a lot closer to people's everyday lives than, than they perhaps think of, right? Um, I know when I go into a coffee shop and I, uh, and I go onto the Wi-Fi network, there's always an IoT server in there some, some, somewhere, right? And it's even got it. Um, and, I, and I wonder just how many people think, what is this? And what is this, uh, you, know, and, uh, you know, what is this Wi-Fi network and how can it affect me? Um, how can we take this whole IoT dream at a sort of executive high level point of view and, and really take it back down to, to grassroots to, to enrich people's lives in your view what, what, are the, what are the types of things that we could look to do to, to make that transition well you know it's, it's interesting Tom I, I think um, you know, so I'm a technologist sort of you know, I'm an engineer PhD but you know, I'm not really a deep technologist the way some people are. I think, you know, what your question makes me kind of think that, you know, most people don't really need to know how the sausage gets made, you know, how this all works. Like, I don't have a clue how my cell phone works. What matters is that, and, you know, my mother, she'll, she'll never need to know what IoT is or what it does, even if it affects her life, and it probably will. Yeah. Um, and... You know, I think it's um, it's about the use cases. It, it, people don't really need to know about the technology. You can go into a, a coffee shop, and you know, the the machines and the and the the coffee brewing process can be having all the smart data flowing. All you want is a, is a, the best tasting cup of coffee that you want. I think it's the same thing in the industrial world. Is that it, it's really, from my point of view, what matters is the users. If IoT is enabling users to actually do something better than they otherwise would have, that's what matters. And, mm. and um, you know, there are a small number of us that are kind of in the nitty-gritty and, and developing the, the tools and deploying the tools that make that possible, but it, it's really not the executives, I think. You know, in myself being an executive, so I'll just sort of put myself in that camp. Executives can't really, um, can't really do the things that, that need to be done. What you need is for someone who can actually go out and change something and fix a problem. You need those people to to do something different. I think what executives can do is is really just notice what's happening, where where things are working, and invest appropriately. You know, notice those those yeah. patterns and replicate them, scale them. Um, and, and it really all comes down again. It's very rooted in the the lean Toyota philosophy. It's just all about doing things at the Gemba at the plant level. And making good choices to facilitate it, and I can actually, yeah. I, I could give you an example if it's helpful. That um, you know, because it's not like we had a a big brain flash and, and thought of all of this, you know, five ten years ago. We figured it out. We actually had a lot of um, work in a, a very challenging industrial application. We we do you know the most critical applications in oil and gas, automotive manufacturing, uh, forest products, pharmaceuticals power plants, nuclear plants. But in oil and gas, the most challenging applications are, from my point of view, are within upstream and, and specifically right in hydraulic fracturing. I know there's a lot more of that in, in, in North America than there is where you are. But it's a big deal here, and it's, it's really had a major impact on our whole economy and the world's economy. Well, at the very nitty-gritty of oil and gas, hydraulic fracturing, there are pumps. You know, on a, on a given site, there's about 15 to 20 huge pumps, 2,500 horsepower pumps that are the critical engine that what actually accomplishes hydraulic fracturing, which is generating pressure and, and moving it down the hole, um, pumping sand, you know. And five years ago, 
when we encountered that application and started giving machines a voice, the people running those, those pumps were just totally unaware, blind, completely blind to what was happening with the health of the, of the pumps. Even though they knew the pressure that was, they knew about the hydraulic fracturing process, and they, they knew a lot about the geology, they knew almost nothing about what was happening with these critical pumps that they depend on. And because of that, there was a lot of big, big problems. You know, the, these pumps would only last like three months, you know, and they're, this is like a $70,000 piece of equipment. And they, um, you know, people would get injured. I mean, there's stories uh, that I've heard of fatalities. You know, when these pumps, you're talking about 10 to 15,000 pounds of pressure, PSI. When they fail, it's it's really can be quite catastrophic. Can cut a yeah. truck in half, and there, there's fatalities. I've heard you know detailed stories. Anyway, you give machines a voice. You deploy the technology. It doesn't really matter if the guy working on that site understands what IoT is. What matters is you start to have that data come out of the red zone and get on a data screen that he can look at in a safe place. Uh, and that was five years ago. Today he or she can be in a command center uh, back at headquarters looking at the data of that pump in real time and make better decisions about what's going to affect the health of it. And, and I mean, it's unbelievable the outcomes. We've done, we've had applications. There's one company in particular, FTS International, has, has talked about this openly. They've quadrupled the, the life of their pumps. You know, instead of lasting three months, they last a full year. They've eliminated, like, two-thirds, three-quarters of their of the downtime. Almost all of the safety incidents eliminated. And um, anyway, that's where I say the executives in that example and generally, they don't need to, um, they, don't, they don't need, it, it's okay if it's unheard of, you know, IOT. It's okay if they don't know how it works. They just have to know that they have to care that keeping their people healthy and keeping their sites productive and, and efficient is a priority, which most do. All they have to do is notice that this new way of doing things works and then embrace it and then invest in it. And we see this happening, yeah. so it's, it's really a good story. It's a positive story. Yeah, I think so. Thank you for sharing that. That's a really nice example because it's, it's a real world event um, that has been changed for the better by an IoT deployment. And I think, you know, going back to my original question, I think this is how we uh, can get it out there to the wider world that the problem and the solution can be enabled uh, by sensors, by, you know, a variety of different methods uh, related to IoT. Um, we've had people on, on the podcast who have um, um, constructed solutions to um, improve the uh, the amount of information that gets to hospitals when people are in ambulances, right? Mm. Um, people who are creating sensors for freight shipping. So uh, when you're transporting, um, you know, fruit and vegetables, right, across the world, and uh, it's, you know, it, it's perishing, it's, it's, it's going off, you, you know, you need to reroute that somewhere. So you're looking at temperature, you're looking at moisture, you're looking at other bits and pieces. And I think when people actually understand the benefit of that, that's when it starts to get into the public psyche. And I think that's when people can actually start saying, hey, this is actually quite interesting. So what is this? And that's 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 the hope with doing things like this. And this is why we're so pleased that you're on the show. And, and I know you have your own podcast, right? You know, and, um, you know, 
getting it out there so that people can actually start Googling this and actually start seeing, okay, so there's other use cases, there's other applications. So I'm 100% with you on that, that I think it's a real world application, isn't it? That needs to happen in order for, for this adoption and, and, and general understanding to, to take part in, 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 in the rest of uh, culture, really. I agree. I love those examples because it is. It's the same thing that we see in our space, in the industrial kind of critical infrastructure space. You don't really need to know how the how the tags on the shipping crate, shipping containers are are sending the data. You just want fresh vegetables. You know, you you care about the yeah, application yeah. and the use case. If you're in the ambulance, you don't really care what they're measuring or how it's. Um, well, maybe some people maybe care what's being measured, but generally speaking. You just want to show up at the hospital and have them have the right tools and the right medicine that's going to make you healthy. And so I totally, I, I'm so glad, I'm just glad that, that you're helping to get the word out about these things because it is, it's all about the use cases and it really does work. There, you know, we just, yeah. we, we're deep on this industrial space, but it, the broad story of IoT, I just, I think it's the same thing uh, across the board there are just these powerful use cases everywhere. There, there's one interesting thing that I think is different, you know, about like uh, the Internet of Things in, compared to just like the Internet or even smartphones. I think it's just kind of the next revolution. Right. But, you know, the, the Internet and um, smartphones are, are really tools used by human beings in our personal lives. And so the use cases are sort of more natural. You know, you get GPS on your phone, you get email on your phone. And so the applications were, were relatively straightforward. I think IoT is different because all these things aren't human, and so they're, they're complex, and there's only certain experts that really understand what's going on. And so it's just a little more, it's slower, and it's more complex, and, but it's also bigger in total, um, all the applications and use cases. That's what I think is so fascinating about this Internet of Things evolution and why I'm so glad that you're helping to get the word out. Mm. Thank you. No, I really appreciate that. Um, I mean, again, just to touch on that. So I've, I've come from a, a background and working uh, very closely in uh, pay TV, right? Um, and you end up going down this rabbit hole of deep tech within what was once set-top boxes to now over-the-top video. And you've got the likes of Netflix and Amazon Prime and, you know, various other... Uh, providers and and something that really kind of doesn't stay too adrift from my mind is that ultimately it's just tv right so no so no matter what you kind of think about or no matter what you kind of look into it it's just tv it's just another film uh yes the content could be great but it's never going to have that impact that something in iot could uh, with the examples that you've mentioned, the examples that I've talked about today, and I think I think that's a really good thing, and that's why I'm quite passionate about being able to talk about these things. Um, Jeremy, I wanted to move on and understand your thoughts here um, on quite a poignant question and something which probably is in the culture of the general public a lot more than than perhaps uh, ourselves in in the technology industry is this view of technology taking over human jobs right so ai the 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 automation robotics i mean it's widely spoken about the you know certainly from an industrial point of view warehouses etc now being kind of you know unmanned to a large degree um will it happen 100 percent in the industrial sector what's your thoughts on that oh I, that is I, that is such an interesting question i 
I know we have a limited amount of time, so I'll keep it focused. But I could talk about that for okay. hours because I think it's fascinating. <laughs> and I'm, a, I'm a, you know, I, the, just the one contextual thing is the the writings of uh, Noah Yuval Harari. He's an Israeli uh, historian. Okay. The the books are uh, Sapiens and Homo Deus and, and Twenty One Lessons for the Twenty First Century. He talks in just amazing depth and detail about this kind of a, a topic, you know, dystopian future where humans essentially become irrelevant. And I mean, I think there's real issues there in general. I won't go down that philo- philosophical rabbit hole, but he has, and he, it's really masterful. It's really amazing stuff to read if you haven't read it. But I do think that there are, you know, there are real things. I don't, I don't even think it's the future. I, you know, I have a couple teenage kids, and it's just like you see the impact smartphones are already having on our engagement and our ability to be present. And I, I like to think that my kids are about as engaged as they can be. But we're already dealing with these challenges of human beings almost becoming overtaken by technology. Having said that, in the industrial world, in the, the critical infrastructure and manufacturing that we serve, from my point of view, it's the total opposite. And it's a really, really positive story. And the reason I say that is, um, you know, the, the, the idea of, I mean, in the United States, it's already happening. The, the number of jobs in manufacturing have already dropped over the last couple of decades from like 20 million to, to 12 million or 11 or something like that. And, and you could look at that as a bad thing. You know, we have these work. My grandfather was a union worker in a Westinghouse appliance manufacturing plant. And you could look at that as a bad thing. But the way I look at it is it, there's, it's not good for human beings to be doing repetitive, dangerous, uh, difficult work. It, it's, um, and, and that's what a lot of it, what's being replaced is. Like, for example, there's one that I, I think, uh, if you've ever seen the movie um, Eight Mile, mm. it's a, you know, the Eminem, yeah. the musician. Detroit. It's kind of a right. biography of his life in Detroit. Yeah. But there's part of it, the movie where he's working in an auto stamping plant. And his job is to pick up a big piece of sheet metal, put it on the thing, push the buttons, and it presses the, the hood or the whatever, and he moves it over there. And that's his job. All day, he's just doing that. It, I, it's difficult to, to just to reconcile the reality that the person that does that job, if they have to do something different or if they lose their job, that's painful and difficult, and it's scary. And that's where the dystopian thoughts come. However, I think when – I mean, I actually, I actually worked for my father in the 80s, 90s. He had an engineering um, forensic business, basically investigating industrial accidents. There was one I remember distinctly where someone using a press just like that, they, that someone had, had um, disengaged the safety guards, which, which prevent you from having the press activate without pushing both buttons simultaneously. Somehow he was either in a hurry or wanted to increase production. Someone dis- disengaged the safety guards. He pushed the press while his hand was still in there, smashed his hand, cut off his fingers. It was just, that kind of thing happens all the time. Getting people out of that kind of work is actually a really good thing for society. What I think people don't realize that I'm immersed in all the time is it just creates this, there, there's no job lost. It actually is the opposite. It creates an, an opportunity for people to elevate their skill set and do more interesting, more problem solving, um, more, more elevated uh, work over time. And the, the difficult thing, I think what so many people struggle with, and believe me, I've been in rooms where I've been yelled at by UAW auto workers who are very, you know, focused on this topic. But the cool thing is when, when people realize what's actually happening, you know, even that we're developing really good relationships with those same kinds of people because you realize that 
doing a difficult, boring, dirty job is actually not a good job. Doing an elevated, you know, knowledge-based learning job, which is where those jobs are all going, especially in manufacturing, that's a good job, and it's it's something that I think the next generation is really going to be um, embodying. And, and there's there's tremendous opportunity. I mean, there there is a massive shortage already, and getting worse in having enough people who are who understand how machines work, who understand how to work with robots, who understand how to build a, an automated manufacturing process, how to use industrial IoT technology. So I personally think it's actually a really good story, yet I also understand that it's scary because people don't like change. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a great it's a great answer, and it's a great view to share, and, and, I, and I echo that, I think. I think we're not taking over people's jobs i think we're changing people's jobs and some could say for the better you know we're intelligent you know bright articulate well most most of us in the world i suppose beings should we really be doing manual labor jobs right that's why we create machines that's why we have automation to do this so could we be doing better things um and it's a great view uh and i, and I completely agree with you right and um yeah, let, let's see what happens in the in the future. Jeremy, I know we're um, kind of uh, running out of time a little bit on this slot, but um, what can we expect next from yourself and, K- and KCF? Well, I mean, we're just we're fueling a revolution, and uh, you know, I would it, it's not the future. It, it, this is the present. I mean, this is happening. What, what's really happening? Again, back to your very first question about you know what's really going on. Companies are going to be living and dying and surviving. Uh, or not surviving based on how well they they deal with this change and the workers are just going to have this challenge and it's it's just the reality people have to have to learn and adapt and it's going to be a lot of change it's ultimately good change but it's painful change Um, that's all happening in the present and it's funny because a lot of the big companies that that I think when you're talking about the the TV example something else that's in in our space in the industrial space is there's a lot of big companies that that provide and own a lot of that um, machinery and software and equipment. Those aren't the kind of companies that can really figure out the use cases. It's a it's a bunch of you know focused players, some niche companies, um, companies like mine and many other like them. There's this whole revolution going on of companies figuring out the use cases and in and transforming industry. You know our whole focus is to transform industry from unaware, wasteful, inefficient, dangerous to a future state where it's safer, no waste, no downtime. And that's what's happening. We're just fueling that revolution and um, and just thrilled to be doing it. So I, anyway, I appreciate you having me uh, on the show and having a chance to help get the word out. Oh, you're very welcome. Yeah, it's um, it's fantastic, some of the work that you're doing. And, uh, you know, re- you, you guys really are setting the pace for this uh, for this revolution, right? For this, for this, for this fourth revolution, of course, right? So uh, you know, good on you, and good, good, good to hear everything that you're doing, Jeremy. Where can everyone find you online? Have you got are you on socials? I assume um, Twitter and various bits and pieces. All the usual things. I'd say you know our company's website is kcftech.com, and as you mentioned, I do have a podcast of my own. It's called the Industrial Transformation Podcast, and. And I'd say those are the two best places to find us. And it's interesting, again, I'm, I'm just so appreciative of what you're doing with this IoT podcast. My, my uh, real focus is just getting some of these specific stories out, you know, the use cases in industry and helping to shine a light on what's happening. 
So those, those two, kcftech.com, you can find out what our company does and just the stories we're trying to capture and document those on the Industrial Transformation Podcast. Okay, perfect. Jeremy, thank, thank you so much. It's, uh, it's been great to have you on today. Really appreciate it. And you can find out more about the IoT Podcast Show by following us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Come and join the conversation and tell us what your thoughts are on Industry 4.0's progression and what changes you have seen. To subscribe to our newsletter, please hit the link in the comments below. 